trigger warning. This episode may discuss one or more of the following topics. Violence, death, including that of people of Indigenous descent, war, abuse, medical issues, self-harming behaviour, eating disorder behaviour or body shaming, drug and alcohol addiction, sexual activity, hate speech or strong abusive language, discrimination and stereotypes. These potential topics have remained part of the episode as it forms part of the interviewee's story which cannot be accurately told without including such information. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. G'day and welcome to another episode of Spectrum Uncensored. Today I have with me Hannah from the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Thank you for your time today and coming in and having a chat. Oh, you're very welcome. Did you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, what you're diagnosed with, um, when you were diagnosed, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am officially diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I haven't officially done my autism diagnosis because I spent all my money diagnosing my children. Um, so it took a long time to come to terms with being able to even say I was autistic without the piece of paper. Um, but I was talking to somebody about that. Like, I think it had been going on for a year where I just kept saying to people, oh, I'm not diagnosed, I'm not diagnosed. And somebody asked me like why that was, um, why, I kept, why I'd said that. And I said, well, you know, it's not official. Um, and they asked me why I thought that was a problem. And I said, well, they haven't um, written it down for me. And the, <laughs> the person said to me that the fact that I was fixating so much on the piece of paper probably meant I could let go of that problem. Yep. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. And um, the more like comfortable I've got with it, the more funny I find that observation. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I also have um, depression and anxiety in waves, although those things are um, sort of becoming easier for me over time as uh, I move further from my point of diagnosis. Yeah, I think it's definitely, uh, that is a very ASD thing, isn't it? Like obsessing with yeah. that stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of answer your own yeah. question with that stuff. But um, and yeah. I think we just deep down know, um, but it is nice to have it solidified by that piece of paper. I definitely yeah. would agree with that. I was the same. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, like I know. I'll, but... I'll do it one day. Once I've recovered from like all the spending on the kids, because it d- didn't end at obviously all the assessments and stuff, um, uh, I think I'm not working at the moment because my kid, uh, my son, my youngest is going through school avoidance and school yep. can't. So I um, haven't been working. So it just, it slips further and further down the list of priorities financially getting that done. So yeah. Yeah. I can definitely understand that my son went through a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. he was home for a good solid eight months. So um, yeah, yep, I had to throw everything in and just focus mm-hmm. on him so I can totally yep. relate to that. And yeah, they're yep. very important and we do what we can, mm-hmm. don't we? <laughs> Yeah, we do. <laughs> but it's it's I think that it's nice when you end up diagnosed and your kids are already diagnosed, it's um it's easier to relate to. Like even though you mm. could relate before, it's like a different level of relating because mm. you you know, you've got that yeah. um acknowledgement from it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, for well, me one, it helps. One of the one of the things that like um I I think has impacted my kids the most is from the very beginning that I always use the sentence like brains like ours our brains, us, we, um, you know, people that have brains like us. Uh, and even if I'm not talking specifically about autism or ADHD, which I, they do, they are aware of, my kids are six and eight. Um, yep. They've known their diagnoses from the very beginning. Um, there's a real sense of us. So it's not as isolating, I think. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's part I, of the story I celebrated when I was diagnosed. My son was diagnosed first and then my husband mm. was diagnosed and then I was mm. diagnosed. So it kind of just, it was a snowball effect. We kind of just kind yeah. of looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> so it was, it was which a is celebration. a lived experience, isn't it, for most of our generation? I think definitely. Um, yep. Is that that's the order that a lot of us go through this diagnosis process? On. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Hmm. And it is a bit of a shame that we didn't, you know, we weren't diagnosed as children. But at the same time, I guess it gives us a different perspective. Really, where we've gone yeah. through it a bit differently um, mm-hmm. to our kids and things. But um, but yeah, so. I, I have gone through Instagram a bit and I'm interested to uh, talk about your hobby as well. I don't know, do you call it a hobby or do you well, call it I'm, like... I'm looking, every time I start to feel a bit like, you know, anxious, I look out the window and I can see my chickens down the back there and my rooster is like on guard. It's very yep. soothing to look at and look at them. But yeah, it's my hobby, cool. I would say it's definitely a special interest, wouldn't you? Yep. I don't know, like, um, but it's, it's has a lot to do with my mental health. Um, yep. I am building my little urban farm. So um, I am the forgetful urban farmer. And um, for me, we moved from like Clifton Hill, which is in the inner, inner northern suburbs of Melbourne, um, tiny little unit. And we bought this block and moved out here just before COVID hit. So we were here for about three months before COVID hit. And um, it's been like a case of regenerating some pretty feral land on our block and um, my goal was always just to grow as much food as I can and that has a lot to do with our um, sensory needs as a family so my kids um, from the very beginning even when we were in a little space I made sure that I was growing the things that they would eat vegetable wise because my kids will eat from the garden quite large quantities of fresh raw fruits and vegetables, whereas they will not eat them cooked into meals. Um, And so part of our family culture has always been that they go foraging every day, they pick and eat, and then at come mealtimes, the only thing I really worry about is whether they're eating some protein. (laughs) Like So it takes a lot of the stress out of food. Um, I love that. That's cool. I think that's where the motivator came from, but um, it wasn't until after diagnosis that I really found that I could stay the course with yep. um with the farming stuff um, because obviously the dopamine comes and goes uh and I have a lot of living things depending on me now yes yeah that <laughs> so <makes it> um <laughs> yes yes but when we moved here that was before we had any diagnosis my daughter was four I'd no- I sort of noticed that um there was stuff going on from a very early age. She was that classic, didn't sleep, uh, but she hit all her milestones really early because she was go, go, go. The moment her brain was awake, she was ready to hit the world running. So um, she was wild. And after her diagnosis, the reason became clear why my family was so resistant to her being diagnosed at all because we are all neurodivergent in my family. Um, So all of us, including my mother, have been diagnosed with ADHD um, and now the autism diagnosis, diagnoses are slowly um, ticking through the population of my family. Um, (laughs) And um, if Ari hadn't been so very intense, I just don't think I would have persisted. So we needed that level of intensity as a family to accept that it was worth looking into um, because all my siblings, we are passionate and intense and intelligent and we just don't quite fit in the general population. Um, So 
it sort of made sense that that's where her journey was taking her as well. Um, but yeah, so we, when we moved here, not long after that, um, about a year later, we got her first diagnosis, which was ADHD, which I now call the gateway diagnosis. Um, Cause I feel like in a way it's more uh, easily accepted, even though it's difficult for parents. I reckon people are far, far more comfortable with accepting the ADHD. And then when the autism comes in, it's like, oh, well, maybe it's all right. And her, her <laughs> autism didn't really shine through until she was medicated. So once her, she was medicated for her ADHD, it's like, wow, yeah, hi, autism. How are you doing today? Um, because, because she was sitting still long enough for all those other behaviours to come forth. Um, yep. But, yeah, the if I didn't have the farm, if I wasn't able to just vanish out into the garden, I don't think I would survive all of the other demands on me. It's a real... We do. We need that, like, mm. a thing for ourselves. And I found yeah. that, like, doing this podcast, this is my thing um, now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I was very lost before. Like, I didn't really – I was stuck at home because of that whole same as you. Yeah. I wasn't sure if my son was going to survive the day at school or not. So mm. – um, and losing that kind of identity of our work stuff, all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was like, what do I do? And, I mean, yeah. it's – it's like that. It's that relationship between the autism and the ADHD. It's quite a complex relationship, and um, you find it yourself really like, is. yeah, not wanting to do stuff, mm. but then wanting to do stuff, and then being bored, but then being overwhelmed because you're then doing something, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, it's a journey well, every day. I think um, like the thing I love about what I'm doing on the block, and I I actually did a reel just um a couple of days ago about about this is that growing annual food crops really injects the novelty into the special interest. So it keeps my ADHD in check because there's always like a new, weird, random thing that I can grow. Um, And it just is a magic system. So like when I planted my little wheat field, uh, my partner, who I call the Minister for Finance, he is (laughs) responsible for keeping all my craziness in check, um, was so frustrated that I was planting the most ridiculous of food crops on our 650 square meter block. Um, it just enrages him. And, uh, (laughs) but what it does is like, I'm never like that. I've got this tiny little thing. I might get a kilo of flour out of that crop, like maybe a kilo. It's absolutely ridiculous, but I would go outside and be like, Ooh, how tall's the week? And I'd run out and see the week. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, I've weeded, I've mulched, I've gone out the back and I've pruned the fruit trees and I've done like six hours of work on the farm that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't like just been lured out by the wheat, you know? Yep. And I'm blessed, I reckon, in the relationship that I have lots and lots of challenges. We come from very different families of origin. Um, our parenting journey is fraught with conflict, as is the case with so many of us. Um, and I think um, we struggle daily negotiating how we parent, but, um, I don't have to cook. I don't cook, you know, does all the cooking, um, doesn't like going outside, doesn't like going outside. So when I'm out in the garden and the kids are inside, there's somebody in here. Um, so I sort of have so much more freedom to be out there without my children, um, than I would have 
in any other dynamic, I think. So we're just such polar opposites that we can sort of cover all the different areas of life. So I have sensory sensitivities around heat. So once summer hits, um, you'll be damned if you find me outside in a Melbourne summer. Um, yep. But in winter, I'm in a T-shirt and shorts, you know, out there <laughs> enjoying the weather. And, uh, yeah, and, and my partner doesn't like the cold, um, so is inside all of winter and then come summer, I am not hanging clothes on that clothesline. It is too hot. So um, he's sent out to do that task and take the kids for walks and do all those things that I refuse to do in summer. So we sort of um, that polar opposites and it's it's very similar to, you know, those classic friendships. And I know I have many of them of the ADHD autistic balance yeah. um, in the besties. Um, so I see that in my relationship as well that, you know, we're definitely not similar, but we work. You complement mm. each other really well mm. by the sounds mm. of it, which is nice because yeah. like you've kind of found found your thing and your niche mm. now and and your yeah. happy place, which is really nice. And it yeah. you know it sounds like now I want to go and make my own little veggie patch. <laughs> it just sounds because <laughs> you you've got it worked out. Like that's you make a good point because we do get bored really oh easily. So mm. it does help to have that. You know, you can then put when the novelty wears off with tomatoes, you can then go to the next thing. And I really like mm. that. That's really clever. Yeah. 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 So you've, yeah. My, my dad passed away a long time ago. So he never got to live through this phase of our family um, finding out all these things about ourselves, which I think is really sad. I was talking to my sister about it the other day. And um, he was very ADHD. I think he was, uh, we, we think he was dyslexic probably, but none of his stuff was diagnosed. And um, uh, I can't remember why I started saying that talking about the garden whatevs <laughs> it'll come back to you <laughs> it'll come back or it won't and that's fine you miss out on that little nugget but um <laughs> garden novelty whatever oh systems so he was just so intensely like insistent on systems and now we know why um yeah. and I see those every time I sort of come up with a system that works on the farm I I think of him and I feel he's like passion for systems you know in my bones yeah, um, which I, I really like yeah, yeah yeah um because it is about systems but um my motto on my on my instagram and i say it all the time is just like plant stuff kill stuff learn stuff repeat <laughs> like it's the only way i killed so much stuff um but when those wins come they are so sweet like it's just so sweet and mm -hmm doing this as a hobby and an outlet and a mental health exercise has taught me so much when it comes to my parenting and when it comes to accepting myself because the failures will always lead to wins if I can just forgive myself take a breath and start again and um I plan like we don't eat a lot of the stuff that I grow yeah like a lot of it ends up in the compost. I'm going to say it like <laughs> it does. And that's okay. It's just but there's the, no growing, to... the growing is what I enjoy. Yeah. Um, and what, whatever, like it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. So I will grow every year. It's like, can you please plant less tomatoes? He says, and I'm like, absolutely <laughs> <Process>. not. <laughs> I started more tomatoes than last year. <laughs> Um, and then they, like, I have, I have a guy that lives up the street. I love him so much. He, um, knocked on my door one day and just said, can I pick some of your tomatoes, please? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I just, there's so many. I'm like, absolutely. They're just rotting on the vine. So he, <laughs> he just picked all my tomatoes and then dropped off a whole heap of avocados for me the next week from his avocado trees. And, That's um, cool. 
community, I found moving here was difficult. We'd been in the unit where we lived for about six years, um, seven years, and I'd sort of, it was the first time I'd started to build a community of my own. I'd always sort of um, uh, piggybacked off partners, best friends, yep. friendship my circles. My husband does that. And I, I, I was never able to build my own ones, yeah. And I like that, and I understand now why that was. Um, yep. Moving from Clifton Hill, I, I didn't want to leave because I finally had started to build a bit of a community. Our parents' group was there. Um, and the the feeling I had about the suburbs was that everything was going to be super isolated. Um, and I, I needed, I, I realized how much I needed that connection to community. Um, and then COVID hits, of course, and we've just moved into a new house and my kids aren't in a school or daycare and everything's like, oh, crazy. But we discovered that the... Um, the land in the backyard of our new house was foul. It had been completely contaminated. They bulldozed an extension to do um, units and then sold the project and we bought the block. So what had happened is they pulled the extension off and plowed everything into the ground. So I had booked compost to be delivered two days after we moved in. Hello, hyperfocus. Um, <laughs> and I, I called up and cancelled that delivery because... I wasn't going to be able to grow anything in the backyard. I was planning to dig yeah. a veggie patch like immediately. And so I had to pivot and I ended up putting all of the vegetable garden out the front. So I was digging and building garden beds in my front yard all the way through COVID. And within about three months had just built this community of friendships amongst neighbors and people that lived on the street. Cause we're sort of on the way to a park. So a lot of people would walk past on their walks yeah. and um, anyone who was interested in food growing at all would stop and talk to me. And some of my dearest friendships now were built during that period. And it was built around this passion and interest. Um, and it was at a period in life where I was starting to be more authentic about who I was and letting myself be wild and ADHD and out and proud and not really sort of lock things away. So these are my first friendships that I've built that are completely authentic and it's so freeing. So I started to get this sense of who I was and that I was valuable in friendships um, even as myself, not just as who I'd learned to project. Uh, yeah. And I started to get a, a sense of soothing comfort all in the midst of the maelstrom of like COVID and the anxiety of parenting sort of undiagnosed children and finding myself like on the phone to my GP um, uh, saying, I'm not okay. Uh, you need to medicate me until COVID's over. I'd always resisted medication, anxiety meds um, for mm -hmm. some crazy reason. I know now that I'm on them, I'm like, why would I not want that? It's amazing. Um, <laughs> that I'd resisted. It's like, oh, well, we can redo your mental health plan. I'm like, oh, absolutely. But you also need to co medicate me till COVID's over because I'm going to like strangle my children. I'm not okay. Um, yep. So there was that going on. And at the same time, this lifting up of this community building, it was just such an interesting, conflicting yeah, I was time. I say like being an isolated in mm. time with COVID, mm. it sounds like you kind of had this weird this weird kind of up and down going on where you mm -hmm. were isolated in the home environment, but you were finally feeling less isolated in a social yeah. Uh, yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, which is interesting. It, it sparked this like little seed of thought. And, you know, I was thinking about my kids and I was starting to experience what it's like to be socially safe. And I'd never had that experience before. And um, I grew up in a very religious family. So I grew up in the construct, the social construct of a church, right? My parents were missionaries. So it was overseas in like expatriate communities. So it was a very um, uh, supported kind of network from a, the way life runs. Yep. 
And then I'm in this situation of isolation, raising these spicy children. And I'm thinking like, where is the church without God? Like, where is it? I need a church without God. I need that community because I know the impact it has being part of that kind of community. Um, And at the same time, there's all this awareness building around ADHD and autism and people are talking about it so much and everyone's talking about the isolation and how we, you know, the, the education system is slowly changing, but it's just not there yet. And we have to hold on and be patient. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be patient. I don't want to be patient. I I can't, like, I'm not going to survive if I'm patient. So then um, I sort of decided that it was time to actively build a, um, like a social community for my children. Like that, that was how I was going to give them release from the pressure of school. It was how I was going to give them the sense that they had the freedom to make mistakes, impulsive mistakes where other parents and families were kind and tolerant and patient and forgiving. And the only way I could do that was if I stopped, um, keeping myself safe, I had to like start learning how to say, could I be your friend? Yeah. and ask for people's phone numbers. Um, so my goal was I just I, I launched into everything about making friendships in this wholly new location um, and I led with we are autistic and ADHD. It was in almost every sentence I said to anybody that I met. And there's been some interesting conversations with other parents about the fact that I chose to do that. Um, parents have said to me, oh, you know, I'm not, nobody knows. I haven't told anyone. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, that's not mine to tell. That's okay. So, and they, they say, but you tell everyone. And my reply is I want to shed the assholes as fast as I possibly could. Like if, if they don't have time yeah. um, to love us wild and autistic and free, then we'll be okay without them, but I need them gone immediately. Like I just don't have the, the energy. And so I slowly built this little like cluster of families that make me feel safe and my kids feel safe and it's built this sort of sense of community that I remember as like an expatriate kid like aunties and uncles that are not my aunties and uncles but I yep. didn't know that and yep. um, my kid has had playdates at other people's houses for the first time and I don't feel worried about what's going to happen um, we had a, somebody sleep over at our house the other night and um, you know we were at uh we were at Auntie Kate's place and the kids were like, oh, can, can, can she stay over? Can she stay over? I'm like, oh, look, you know, uh, maybe another time. And um, we haven't got ready for it yet. And have I, has my sound cut out? No, no, I can hear you still. I can. It feels weird. Um, <laughs> and, and the answer from my daughter was like, mum, ours is the house where, insert child, can stay over because we are all autistic. And I'm like, good point. You've got a point there, child. Um, And that's really freeing. So I'm acutely aware that that comes with the privilege of being able to like create that, Mm. um, that that's not something everybody has access to. So my next, um, because obviously I don't have enough on my plate. We never do. Never do. Never can't get enough enough on my plate (laughs) is now like figuring out how to build a system like that, that is hyper local, um, where it can be replicated in small pockets because we have yellow ladybugs which is amazing to go to we love yellow ladybugs we go to yellow ladybugs and we really enjoy those social events but these are all these little autistic girls coming from all these different places to this one spot and then they all go home again um and what i've found is the value in um having these parents that are safe locally and very close and what happens is that when 
this other child doesn't want to go to, can't can't go to school not doesn't want to can't go to school it's so hard to change my language around that um that I'm home so she can come here and her parent yep. can go to go to work because yep. when we do this as a community it becomes easier so that's my new that's cool hyper focus is around figuring out how to build something that's replicatable um yep. off the back of people that may not have that same it's sort like of social yeah that yeah. same social privilege of being able to do that so it's almost um, like a neurodivergent matchmaking mm, thing for, yeah. for families i like that well that's cool. when you think about when you think about like services in communities they don't just get given to anybody, right? People, mm. the communities build those services for themselves. Yeah. Um, that's pretty consistently true. And then, but we have this disadvantage of having extreme executive dysfunction <laughs> and um, all the trauma in the world socially. And that really puts a spanner in the works when it comes to trying to set up these sort of things. So I don't know, yeah, there's got to be a way. You don't want to have to mask for the rest of your life. You just want to be mm. able to let that wall down. And it is so freeing so freeing like it's so yep. freeing we've I got just... the same situation so yeah all of our friends are on the spectrum somewhere mm. um whether mm. it's adhd or autistic and then yeah. but we've all self-discovered together mm-hmm. like we all mm-hmm. undiagnosed and then one's gotten diagnosed yeah. and the other one's gone oh maybe it's like definitely mm-hmm. and then you know next oh, yeah. Minute, yeah definitely that was it right yeah yeah my yep. friend because I was, I was sort of looking at autism. I had my awareness of autism because in a, I was in an online parents group at the very beginning when I had Ari and one of the other mums posted a list of autistic traits in women. And I was like, stop it. Like, what is that? And I'm like, so I go back to my partner. I'm like, I think I'm autistic. The answer was, you're not autistic. Interestingly enough, his next statement was, I have a lot of autistic friends, he says. Um, I wonder why that is. I wonder. I wonder what. I wonder. But um, no okay. we're still say, we're still saying he's neurotypical, so it's all right. We're okay. going with it. Um, uh, yeah, you're not autistic. I have a lot of autistic friends, but of course, all his autistic friends were ma- men, and so that began. That was the first stage of the pushback on maybe. Yes. My daughter's autistic. Maybe my daughter's autistic, and so I had her on all these wait lists. But while we were on the wait list for things. Um, a very good friend of mine was diagnosed with ADHD and um, I'd completely forgotten this story, by the way, they were at my house and I remember saying, I can't remember, like, how did I find out that I thought I might have ADHD? And she's like, um, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) So she came over and said to me, like, I've just been diagnosed with ADHD and I think you might have ADHD. And that child over there, the one that's like upside down, you know, in a chair, like waving her legs definitely has ADHD ping 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 like across the room we do that and that was that was we sort of flipped from maybe she's got autism to as soon as the pediatrician appointment came up ADHD and then we I forgot about the autism for quite a while and it wasn't until like six to eight months later that the the ped was like yeah I can see I can see the autism there I think it's worth an assessment um yeah that's a story a lot of us go through isn't it like oh yeah yeah 100 and I think like I have this shirt that says keep talking, I'm diagnosing you because, like, every yes. time I meet someone, I'm like, <laughs> you're one of us. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. well, every time my partner does something that's a bit autistic, I, um, I say, oh, I wonder what that is. That might be the autism. And his response is, you've got a hammer and everything looks like a nail to you. <laughs> like, because no, we it just know. is a nail. It is a nail. Thank you very much. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fun. I like it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't change it for the world. But it just, it is, it's, it's lovely to be surrounded by like-minded people or people that mm-hmm. can just get it because you don't, you get enough judgment as it is. And I mean, my son's, yeah. he's autistic and ADHD, but he's also nonverbal. So it's got that little added extra element of complexity to it. And that has always been a big fear for us. Like he's going to be very misunderstood just because he can't mm. communicate in a traditional mm. manner. But we're the same. We've got a whole bunch of friends now that, I just like adopted aunties and uncles and um and yeah as as time's gone by uh, everyone's slowly getting diagnosed my uh, now best friend she was diagnosed after me because we were talking and we're like yeah we're totally both and mm. um her kids weren't diagnosed um when I met her but when she found out about it, my son she started to kind of question things and was like do you think and I'm like yeah and then a couple months later what about my daughter yeah so sure enough they're yeah yeah, all diagnosed now so um yeah it is and it's it's nice because you do you start talking to people and then you're actually able to help people because I always say try to be Mm. the person that you needed at the beginning um for Mm -hmm. others because it, it can be a very lonely time and it's not through any fault of your own it's just that there's not enough support and understanding yeah. And when I was, I was talking to somebody just this morning about this and this, um, you know, he said my now best friend, like I realized I've collected these and they're all my best friends. Like I have these yep. like intense best friendships. Um, but, uh, Kate, who is my children's new, like adopted auntie, um, you know, I hadn't known her for very long. I was going through the school avoidance and I had a really triggering and stressful meeting with the school. I'd been in tears and it was, I was just like so dysregulated and upset. And, um, I messaged her and she was homesick and, um, I just, this makes me laugh so much. Honestly, I don't think we'd known each other for more than a few months. And I I said, can I come over and have a cup where I'm feeling pretty stressed? And she's like, absolutely. But I'm, I'm in bed in the study watching TV. I'm like, that's okay. I'll just get into bed with you. (laughs) And I did. I just climbed in, we just lay there and we talked for about half an hour and like I felt myself de-escalate and I was getting regulated and everything. And then all of a sudden the study door opens and the husband pokes his head through. He's like, can you figure out like who was in bed with you? Like I heard the Uber Eats guy come and Kate said, that was like half an hour ago. You weren't worried that like for half an hour? But um, like what I love is like that the safety in these kind of friendships where people are all sort of neurodivergent of being able to move like like that's pretty intense like I, I'm pretty sure like neurotypical people would freak out if somebody mm. just wanted to climb into bed to regulate <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and look there'd, there'd be lots of neuro spicy people that would freak out as well I'm not saying they wouldn't but like mm. um, I'm finding these kindred spirits and I wouldn't have survived the process of the school avoidance and advocating, oh my God, advocating in a school system that is responsible for so much of my trauma without her. Right. And I have her because at a birthday party last year, I just said, oh, she asked where my child was. I'm like, oh, my one's that one all the way over the other side of the swimming pool by herself, lying in the sunshine, just warming up um, (laughs) and having nothing to do with the party. And I'm like, oh, she's autistic. And oh, we're going through diagnosis. And there we go. Right. So um, the finding those authentic people, and I've gone off track again, I know that I can feel it because I can't remember what you were saying that sort of prompted me to tell that story, but it's a good one anyway, so whatevs. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. Because choose your own whatever. adventure, so. It is. It is. It really <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. I keep, you know what, I'm, I keep thinking about, and the reason I keep getting distracted is because my brain is thinking about the last question just over and over and over and over again. I just keep fixating on it. So that's well, okay. let's go with the last question then. <laughs> like, let's get it right. done. <laughs> so. I've been making a list. <laughs> if, if someone suspects that they are on the spectrum or their child's mm-hmm. on the spectrum but isn't mm-hmm. diagnosed, um, mm-hmm. what would you say to them as an advice? Yeah. yeah. Um, contextually, before I answer that, can you tell I've been thinking about it? Why have I been so distracted through this whole, this whole discussion? <laughs> um, contextually, we all know, well, those of us that have been sort of navigating it for a while know that the system is under strain. It's very difficult to get professional help. It's very difficult to get assessment and medication for ADHD for both adults and children. Um, navigating diagnosis and assessment for autism takes a long time. You've got to wait for your pediatrician wait list and then you've got to wait for your psychologist. It takes a really long time. So it does. don't be discouraged. We can't control the world as much as we try to control the world. What res- retrospectively, what I wish I'd done when I first suspected was start working on my trauma. Because what I've realized, and I'm about to cry, <laughs> is that I managed to traumatize my kids pretty significantly for the first few years um, because the roadmap to my parenting was just riddled with control, anger, anxiety, frustration, and I didn't know how to regulate. I didn't know how to um, validate and support them through regulation. I couldn't do any of that stuff, and I didn't know to try, and I think that's a big problem. Um, So I would say, like, it doesn't matter how good you feel, like how you like there's trauma you can't go through your life undiagnosed and not be traumatized in some way shape or form and the chances are we talked about like all the possible triggers earlier trigger warnings earlier that happened to those of us that are undiagnosed um the chances are that a lot of those things have happened to you as well um and so i like i just i would say to parents like start working on your trauma because you might not be able to find a professional, but there are things you can do. And look, I'm really lucky. The reason I've been able to, um, and again, this is privilege. The reason I've been able to, um, I reckon process so much of my trauma and get so much better at regulating is because my sister's special interest (laughs) is trauma and communication and therapy. Like the woman is obsessed. She's amazing. (laughs) And, um, when COVID hit, we started spending a lot of time on FaceTime together. She lives on the other side of the world. My sister is I am Sarah Sproul on in, Instagram. She's phenomenal. So if you don't follow her, you should. Um, we started like just FaceTiming four to six hours a day throughout COVID. And she would sit on my window ledge and I would sit somewhere in her house and we would just go about our business with us in the background and one AirPod in. Um, mm-hmm. So I've had about 40 hours a week of therapy, free therapy from my sister <laughs> since 2020. Sounds like I'm um, a 
<laughs> oh, you do. Well, she's actively unmasking at the moment, which is really interesting. We were talking yesterday about how exhausting that is. So we have yes, these really yep. amazing, intense, like neurodivergent conversations where we dive deep into all of the things. But the most impactful ones of trauma, like healing for me, have been the safe and sound protocol. I don't know if you've come across that. No. Um, uh, find someone who knows about it and interview them because it's phenomenal for autistic cool. brains. Yep. It re can retrain like the way your ears hear safe sounds so that like okay. they're not triggered so much. Um, yep. And you don't have to actually know what your trauma is or talk about That's it, or figure it out or work through it at all. It feels like voodoo. It's some kind of weird cheat. Um, and can be quite like life hack. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. It can be quite expensive. So of course, because she's that's her special interest, she just went and learned how to deliver safe and sound, so she could put us all yep. through it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and the next You're one was um, yeah, recently. Um, is uh, she's been working on internal family systems, which is all the rage at the moment as well in therapies. But I had ineptly sort of dipped my toe into some of the internal family systems things with my son and his school avoidance, and it, it was magical, amazing. But it's all under the umbrella yeah. of healing trauma because now yeah. that my trauma is healing, I'm able to sit with my kids in dysregulation and not feel like I need to punish them, make them stop. Yep. negotiates like to get get it away from me um I can manage my own sound sensitivities better I have like I feel like I was in arrested development and I didn't know it and I've been able to complete the maturation process into adulthood because what I can see at the beginning was a whole heap of trauma like ridden riddled narcissism I would say honestly um yep. and at the other end is like coming out and and stepping into um an adult role in my family and for my children and i don't think without healing the trauma that's possible so whilst waiting for access to all of these things yes yeah, so, i mean it sounds like work. it sounds like to put it like in a basic sense of make sure you help yourself before you mm -hmm. can help others mm -hmm. or you know in this case yep. your children because if you can't yep. it's it is it's i've used it a couple of times now the whole you know putting the mask on when the plane's mm -hmm. going down, put it on yourself before you help mm -hmm. other people because if you, you know, passed out, you can't help anyone. And find someone you can climb into bed with and cry. Just scold. Even Thanks, if it's Kate. New Breeds guy. You're, you're a gem. <laughs> you're a gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, order some food. Dude, can I just have a cry and a cuddle? Would that be all right? I'll give I'll you five stars. You. I'll tip you. I'll tip you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, dear. What would we do? I don't know. But, yeah, community building. I just made such a difference. My chickens are beautiful. My rooster is just like the most gorgeous thing in the world. He's amazing. His name's Chirp. He's calling you. He he is. I haven't had any complaints yet, but I'm I'm bribing every neighbour like within about a two house like distance with eggs and honey <laughs> to hope that nobody complains and giving them all like this sob story about how the cats kept killing my chickens and Chirp's keeping them safe and it's okay if he's driving you crazy, we'll eat him and then no one will complain. He's <laughs> your emotional goal. support. Rooster, so they just can't do anything Rooster. about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out today and chat to me. It was amazing to actually have a proper chat, and yeah, I feel very um, grateful to have had the conversation. I'm stoked with you we did you. it so quickly because I would have been super anxious if I had to like wait. Yeah, <laughs> we just pretty, like, get it I'm done, pretty, get it done, get it done. Pretty much, yeah, amazing. get it done. But um, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely, yeah, yeah I yeah. definitely appreciate you coming and having a chat. So. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me. That was really <laughs> lovely. Take care. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.